Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey guys, it's another episode of the Believe in Padres Prospects Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. San Diego's number one sports podcast network. No way today, but you got me. And we're going to have a guest, Dodger Dustin. He's my friend from college. He's been on a couple of times. Back when we didn't have much to talk about, he was on to talk movies with us, talk about Dodgers. And he's on to kind of give us the the typical non-psycho Dodger Twitter fan take on what's going on with the Dodgers from his perspective and then how he's viewing the Padres and the rest of the NL West and other things going on in baseball. So excited to have him on. Also on today's show, going to talk about a little spring training stuff. Was was listening to the radio today because God knows why we don't have every Pottery game streamed, but you know, on TV or online. Listen to some of the radio, listen to some of Mackenzie Gore's outing. He was making his spring training debut and hasn't we haven't really seen much of him at all since last spring training when he was up and we were thinking that he had a shot at the rotation. We're still thinking he has a shot at the rotation, although it's looking unlikely unless some injuries happen. But hey, it's the Padres. There could be some injuries happening. That's what we do. So talk about his start. It was slow. It was rusty. If you caught any of it or you've been reading about it online, CJ Abrams getting Tatis like buzz. You always think it's too soon until they prove you wrong when they get the chance and then you were wrong and he was awesome. That's what happened with Tatis. I don't know if there was so much of a clamoring for Tatis to stay down. I thought it was pretty unanimous that everyone knew he was ready. CJ Abrams has not been above low A ball. He was at the extended site last year. We'll, we'll talk about that, but um, he's getting a lot of buzz. Is there a position battle going on at first base? No, there's not, but our, our boy Chrome Dog uh, looks so good out there at first. I love Cronenworth at first base. Him, uh, Hassan Kim, and Eric Hosmer are, I think, all going to play a lot, even with no DH now and no DH in the future. I, I, t- I touch on that with Dustin later, but really, we're not we're not going to get the DH even next season. I thought we were so close to this. I thought we, I thought we were ready for this now. National League, MLB front office. I thought we were ready, but <sighs> politics. Anyway, before we get to Dodger Dustin, football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. And the only place you should be betting on these sports is at betonline.ag. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. We just missed the, the big award show, which I did not pay attention to. BetOnline has hundreds of props with real-time odds on almost anything you can imagine. And of course, the 24-hour online casino head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit that's betonline.ag betonline your online sportsbooks sportsbook experts and with march madness just around the corner um this is the time this is the golden month of gambling along with like the super bowl but i i personally love march madness the most anyway just some news and notes uh, before we get into Dodger Dustin. Jorge Onya 
needs a needs a home. I like Jorge Oña a lot, and he's matured enough. He's old enough. He's big enough. He's been through, you know, I think enough experience in the upper minors, and he got his taste of the majors last year. Jorge Oña just makes loud outs every time he's up. You know, he's going to strike out a good amount. He doesn't have a ton of experience against major league pitching. He's definitely going to strike out. But I really like Jorge Oña. In another world, I would just have him be the fourth outfielder. I don't know why we had to go out and sign a couple of other guys that we did, like Brian O'Grady. Cool, O'Grady is interesting. But like, why not just give the job to Jorge Oña as a, as a backup outfielder? Maybe they just want him to simmer in the minors for another year. I don't know. I like that dude a lot. And I think he needs a chance to play. Some injury news, uh, Jose Castillo, Tommy John surgery. He's going to, you know, it was during his first bullpen spring training. This is, that's life as a pitcher, man. You never, you never really know. Castillo was going to be an interesting piece at the back of the bullpen and still is an interesting piece going forward. You know, like Andres Munoz a couple years ago when he got TJ, you know, ended up moving him in a trade anyway. So it didn't matter. But Jose Castillo, I think still has a place on this roster and in the bullpen somewhere. It's almost, you know, kind of nice that we don't have to worry about him this year. Tommy John, the success rate from returning from that injury is not what it used to be. It's much better. And I think we can rely on him in the next couple of years. We've, we've made some moves in the bullpen, Keone Kella, Mark Melanson, um, even like Drew Pomeran, some of the older guys, they're not going to be around forever. So Jose Castillo, one of the younger guys, options in the bullpen, along with Michelle Baez, I think those guys still have a home somewhere in the near future. And, you know, we don't need to worry about him this year. A couple years down the road. We'll see. Javi Guerra, grade one UCL sprain. He's down for a couple weeks. I've never been a big Javi Guerra guy anyway. I, I thought they might just, you know, DFA him uh, last year. He's, he was that bad. He still has a lot of potential. Some people still really like him. I know a couple of my, my friends, we do a Padres chat together and, some of us still really like the potential of Javi Guerra transitioning, you know, from a shortstop a few years ago. He hasn't really had a ton of time to develop as a pitcher yet. He's on the shorter side, but brings as much heat on a fastball as anyone in baseball. And it's pretty easy heat. He, he lets it rip. So tools are there. Execution has been far from it. Him missing, you know, some time early in the season, maybe not the worst thing for him either. Uh, he was probably going to go to the minors anyway at some point, but he, he is a lottery ticket of all lottery tickets. I, I don't see, I just don't see it with him, but that's kind of what you have when you buy a lottery ticket, right? It's just, it's just hope only there's, you're not basing that on any logic. And that's kind of how I feel about Javier. He's the ultimate lottery ticket. And last thing, Dennis Lynn made an interesting observation today. He says that with Castillo out, and Strom likely to miss opening day. He's still recovering from a knee injury. The Padres are keeping a close eye on Ryan Weathers. He's been getting rave reviews since last year, and it has carried over into spring training. And this is what I kind of like about young pitching prospects that you don't quite have room for in the rotation. You know, injuries can open up open up some room, you know, like Mackenzie Gore. But he profiles pretty well in the bullpen. We saw it last year. If you can start him in the bullpen, the Cardinals used to do this a lot with their uh, their top pitching prospects, Adam Wainwright, Carlos Martinez, um, Trevor Rosenthal. That was the plan until he just you know permanently 
stuck in the bullpen. He was he, when he was coming up, he was a, a top starting pitching prospect in their organization. Uh, the the plan was to transition him eventually. I think this is a really good way to get Ryan Weathers acclimated to Major League Baseball, start him in the bullpen, pitch him there for a year, maybe even two. And if an opportunity presents itself, he and Gore and and others will be first in line when they're ready. I love the depth of this rotation, love the depth of the bullpen, and he's going to be a factor, I think, this year. He's super young, but... Padres aren't scared of promoting guys super young. They're not afraid of playing guys that are young and maybe don't have the upper minors experience. I think the alternate site and last year's schedule and, and bringing guys up maybe sooner than we expected is going to play a big role in their development. We're talking about how a lot of guys missed out on a year of development. And this kind of goes back to CJ Abrams getting huge buzz. Yeah, maybe he didn't get to we'll just shift into CJ Abrams. Now he didn't get to play, you know, much of any extended time at low a Fort Wayne last year. Now Fort Wayne is high a, but he didn't get the chance to develop against guys, his own age or his own ability level or from his draft class. But he spent a lot of time with the alternate training site last year. And he's spending a lot of time at spring training this year. He's looked really good defensively. He's looked electric on the base paths. It's we haven't, you know, all we're seeing right now are the tools on display. And to no one's surprise, those tools are very good. He's getting the same buzz that Tatis got. He he hasn't had the time to develop yet. I want him to play every single day. So I don't want there's not there's not space for him right now. I don't want him to make this team right now. But I think it could happen as soon as next year. If I mean, buzz like this is not normal around prospects. This is reserved for the top top guys: Jared Kalenic, Wander Franco. We're going to throw C.J. Abrams in this. Marco Luciano with the Giants. This, these are the only guys that that get that kind of buzz. Pitchers is a little different. We'll stick with the position players. I think he's learned a lot from his time at the extended alternate site last year. And he's going to learn a lot. He's going to do it again this year. The The minor leagues are going to start a month late. They're going to do an alternate training site again this season for a month. I think he's going to benefit a ton from that playing against guys who are much better than them. Sometimes you never know who it's going to affect and how it's going to affect them, but him playing against guys a lot older, more experienced and better than he is right now. Sometimes I can stifle a guy's development. Sometimes it can unleash potential quicker. And I think that's kind of what we've been seeing with CJ Abrams. He's one of the most exciting prospects in baseball. And I know some people want to see him up sooner rather than later. I'd say just be a little more patient. There's no reason to rush this guy right now. Let's let's give him a chance to develop on a somewhat normal trajectory for the next year and and see how he's doing. There's there's not an immediate spot for him right now. If Kim gets sent down later in the season for, you know, whatever, he's still a little unpredictable. If Kim's not ready, if Cronenworth gets hurt or if Hosmer gets hurt and we have to move some pieces around, Abrams has been getting a lot of looks at shortstop and second base. I haven't seen him play much center field so far, although that's still the possibility that a lot of people think he's going to settle in at, but if it's second base, you know, injuries can 
facilitate a move like that where he comes up sooner than you expected. But I would just say, what's what's the hurry? There's no hurry with him. Just enjoy having a prospect like C.J. Abrams around and, and getting to be ex- get you know stay excited about the near future with him. But let's relax. Mackenzie Gore pitched today. It was his first outing. It was very shaky. And I was listening to, um, on the way over to our studio where we, where I record, uh, Chris and, uh, Gwen, Chris Ella was ranting about how Gore got pulled, uh, and, and left the bases loaded. Didn't, wasn't given the opportunity to get out of the inning. He was walking guys. He was, he walked Willie Calhoun, who I don't think has ever walked in his life. I don't think Willie Calhoun knew he was allowed to walk until Mackenzie Gore just walked him. I I know the command's not there with Gore right now. So whatever that means, that that's where he's at. He's the fastball was sitting 95, 96. The command was all over the place. The, the curveball was breaking really well. There was a, uh, reports were, you know, the curve was fine. Uh, it's just command. So nothing really to read into that other than Gore hasn't pitched in a long time, let alone in a game situation like this, even though it's just a spring training game. The feels are different, you know, the emotions and the feel for the ball, both feels. But it's, I, know, I, I would have liked to see the command have been there, uh, but, you know, it's kind of like your ball handling skills in basketball. It's the first thing to go when you, when you don't dribble a lot. I'm mixing my metaphors, but that'll come back. I'm not too worried about that. He's been a high command guy for most of his career. So not worried. It's just. You know, if anything, it's nice to see he's, you know, give him a chance to adapt, face some adversity early in the spring and then and watch him improve through the spring. Other than that, you know, Gore, Abrams, first base battle, not a t- none of, I mean, watching Hassan Kim play around the infield is nice. His versatility, I think is going to be super useful this year. Other spring training storylines, you know, it's, it's very early still. So let's see what there is. There's going to be some, some fresh names that emerge guys that are going to provide really good minor league depth this season, new faces. Uh, still haven't get to see Campuzano. He was scratched. Um, Tucapita Marcano got the, got in there at shortstop today. Love his potential is, is a super utility player going forward, but let's, uh, let's give this a couple more weeks. And I, this is one of the reasons why I like doing a weekly show is because we get to, you know, take a breath between shows. So you give, the updates and your opinions on what you've seen so far. And then another week of spring training goes by next week. We'll have a lot more to talk about probably. So now let's get into our Dodger talk and trust me, it's not just gonna be all Dodger talk, but I think it's healthy to get this perspective. It's a, it's a, an insider look at what, what Dodger fans are doing. So here is my friend, Dodger Dustin. All right. Dodger Dustin, as you are, um, you know, known around here, lov- lovably known around here. I think Dodger Dustin works for you as a, as a nickname. It's very illiterate. Uh, yeah, illiterate. Is it? That's- works. It works because it's uh, kind of got the Marvel thing going. The alliteration? <laughs> the, the Marvel thing? The what? You, have you ever noticed that all the Marvel characters are alliterative? No. Or like most of them. Or all the early ones. Anyways, go on. Give me, give me an example. <laughs> now I have no idea what Peter you're talking Parker, about. Like everybody in... Oh, I'm trying to think. Who's, who other than Peter Parker? Tony Stark. He's not. There's a bunch because he. Well, I. It's not helping that I can't think of any examples. But simply thought that would help people remember the names. Ant Man. 
well, no, that doesn't count. I gotta find this out. Bruce Banner, Spider Man, Sue Storm, okay. Richard, Stephen Strange, Otto Octavius, Silver Surfer, Spider Man, J. Jonah Jameson, Peter Parker. You said Spider. Oh, Peter Parker. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah, that, that's how the list was written. So yeah, <laughs> it, it, I wasn't losing my mind. I just couldn't think of them. That's fair. I'll, I'll give you a pass. Um, Daredevil. I never noticed. Pepper Potts. Doctor Doom. Yeah, there's a bunch of them. That's gonna be hard to miss now from now on. So there you go. I'm on the list. So you're my you're my Dodger guy, along with um I don't know. Do you do you listen to Clint Pasias and Dodgers Nation and the Blue Heaven podcast at all? Not the podcast, follow them on Twitter. Yeah. Uh I like Clint. Clint and I have a good back and forth on Twitter, similar to what you and I have personally. We don't interact on Twitter, but mm-hmm. we're friends. We go way we go way back in uh it's a similar relationship. Um me but mostly posting digs about the Dodgers that, you know, I tag him in and then he will send me stuff and tag me on, on digs about the Padres. It's, it's a nice relationship. I'm ha- it's very healthy. That's the point um, being <laughs> what is, you know, from your perspective, what's the, the talk around the Dodgers water cooler? What are the storylines that you're following in spring training, the battles, the whatevers, what are you, what are you focused on or what are you most jacked up about? So I think since it happened, the talk on a couple levels has been Bauer because a like the rotation he gave us is ridiculous. I think the fact that like the fact that Doc is getting questioned, Dave Roberts getting asked questions about like are Urias, May, and Consolin all going to be in the bullpen, and they're all starting for us in the playoffs is kind of crazy. On the flip side, people just don't like him, Bauer. Uh, so there's oh, like yeah, how's that going? He, he's had a very rocky start to, I think, the relationship, you know, with the Hispanic community in L.A. I mean, that's it's going to be a rocky trip and the white community, just the community. Yeah, yeah, I don't think white people really like him either. I don't think like he, he I guess it's like conservative trollism, but I don't feel like conservative people are like, that's our guy either. I don't know who is no. group. like I, I I feel like the way Dodger fans are approaching it is like, you know, it's you. It's a really, it's a really sticky rabbit hole to go down. Like I want my, all my players to be good guys because it's just there's a lot of other ways that we just don't talk about as much that players can be iffy. So like, you just think about it. You kind of like you kind of push it out of your mind. The problem is Bauer more than anybody else. Like a lot of people will hide what you don't like about them most of the time. Even like, for example, like Osuna was wasn't openly talking about being a white beater all the time. Like. <laughs> So like you could like recommend that. Yeah. fan, You could try to push it out of your head, even though it was awful. Bauer, like it's also just so active. So like every couple days, it's like a tweet that goes around. It's like, oh, God damn it. (laughs) So I think the way it's going to work out is that people are kind of just. Kind of just compartmentalizing that they're pumped about his addition to the team in not thinking about him as a person. But if he also doesn't work out for us, he's going to be so hated. Like you can already feel it. That's almost too much pressure to live up to because you're also buying him. It's not only the contract, which is the highest uh, average for an annual salary, I think, ever easily. But it's also you're buying him coming off of his possible best outcome in a short season where he won the Cy Young and had stupid video game numbers. Like there's not much. Where can he go up from there? I think I guess running a World Series. I mean, I think that's all people rightfully just feel like if we win the world series, it's well worth it, especially cause he's not committing crimes or anything. It's not going into like, actually he's like saying, doing like vaguely moral reprehensible things as far as like his Twitter activities. But it's not like, again, like Osuna where it's like, you have to actually 
reconcile that he's done something terrible. So I think that people are just kind of feeling like anything's worth the World Series. And so that's the way you can go up with it. I don't know. I think most people understand that last year's numbers are inherently, you can't just expect them again. For all of baseball, because really, it's just a 60-game season. and also, But, like, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think that it's very possible that the second he's not even an ace, even if he's good, people will be like, fuck this guy. So it might, it might come up really quickly. It's funny that, you know, historical, uh, like, girlfriend domestic abusers, I'm thinking, like, Roberto Azuna, Araldus Chapman, were did horrible things, but they did it one time to the public's knowledge. And at the time, like he, they survived it. They, you know, changed teams or they, they stayed on their team. They survived the suspension. They're back. And then, you know, as years go by, people kind of forget that these guys did those things. But Bauer has just been like a steady, slow stream of constant asshole, right. not nothing illegal, but he's, he takes more heat on a daily basis than a role Chapman does. That's funny how that works out. It is funny. And it's kind of weird to think about. It kind of makes, there's a lot of things like that in sports where you're like, wait, do we are we harder on people that annoy us than like generally bad people which i think yeah is like, kind of <laughs> <laughs> but 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 the problem is bowers bauer has like a huge hand in that because he's just so the way like bauer like he's just somebody that you everybody knows gets the feeling that like they would be like they would just hate him if he was in their real life which is a terrible feeling to have about somebody <laughs> Yeah, and you guys have had such good team chemistry the last that several years. And there's that. been no problems in the clubhouse. The manager is, I mean, I really like Roberts personally. I don't, I don't know him personally, but he had a few you know, issues with his managerial decision-making in the past. Everybody loves him, though. Yeah, and the team, the team really fits well together. All the superstars are just like kind of white bread, nice, personable guys. And then you throw Bauer in here. That's, I don't know if... He's going to stir the pot or the pot will settle him maybe a little bit. But I mean, something I would think has to change in the clubhouse. Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. I mean, I think that I think there's a general anxiety about it. But people being excited that it's just gives us makes us more stacked as a rotation. And uh, but yeah, there's definitely some anxiety that like this is just going to be a problem at some point. It's going to pop its head up. And that that's unknowable. Yeah. Especially what you were saying more so that like people really love that. They just love the team. It helped. It helped get through when the team was falling short. Is that like people just really like the guys. Uh, And so, yeah, it's just kind of a a little bit of a bummer, a little bit exciting. It's just kind of a weird addition. Is someone who's loved the Dodgers their whole life and you've kind of seen them transform into a team that, you know, couldn't quite win the World Series to. Winning finally, but in a season that was short and had some weird twists and turns in it. Like you won, you won in Texas when neither team was from Texas, so that's yeah. unusual. Um, and now you you have this over the last couple of years. I mean, you have the highest rotation or the highest uh, salary for a team in baseball by a lot. You're paying the most in luxury tax by a lot. Where do you stand? Is like the feeling around you guys is. Now you are the, the 90s Yankees. You, you're spending money on guys you don't really need just because you can and, and why not? We, that's what fans all, um, no fans going to complain that you're, you're getting too much talent, but some of it's got to feel a little weird from your perspective. I would think so. Yeah. Uh, I, so the money thing, I think, because McCourt came right before, it, I think that that framed being a high spending team like, we were just so mad about what McCourt was doing that 
people are still just they love that the money I, I've heard very few little like the identity crisis with like spending that much money I think people just feel like that's how we should be and just just so happy that it's not McCourt like there's definitely been a little bit of identity crisis with kind of finally breaking through though because that was the thing that kind of like grounded us was that we were still the Dodgers no matter how good we got and then it's been a little weird just like fun like not like actually a problem but just people just a lot of text that like this feels weird like I'm not going in with like this like this creeping sense that it's all going to be for nothing again. (laughs) So it's, it's definitely going around, but I think people, people like, it. I think there's a lot of sense with the short season, like you were talking about too, that like we have more to earn because it'll be weird if if our only world series out of this stretch was the short one. So I think there's still like a lot of hunger. It it can be good too, that, that it was a weird world series. I think it provides an easy way to stay hungry because you don't want to you want to like back up that that was a totally legitimate world series which it was but yeah it's a little weird definitely the world series thing is a little weird just because we for eight years we had defined ourselves as like essentially the buffalo bills of baseball yeah that was your identity and now your identity is a little different but Um, it 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 feels good so i'm not really worried about it (laughs) do you what do you I've been trying to think about what the, the what MLB can do with their salary situation, where where the Dodgers are spending two hundred plus million dollars on their payroll, and then the Pirates are going to spend forty million dollars on their payroll. That can't be sustainable. It, it 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 does not make sense for a league to have those two ends of the spectrum. This isn't the the two thousand one A's that are building an exciting young cheap team from scrappy parts it's the pirates are doing something totally different which is literally tanking this is a new thing in baseball where we're tanking has taken over the bottom you know 10 teams of the league in any given year so i don't know uh, what what are your thoughts as the team that spends the most where i don't know how you can limit a team's salary in baseball especially because in baseball like what is that money just going to go to the owner's pockets that doesn't help anyone is it just we're splitting the revenue more we're we're gonna do. We're gonna be just giving the pirates money for losing on purpose. That doesn't seem right either. Have you given any thought about what baseball can do about this? Yeah, I've given a lot of thought to it because I think baseball is just unfortunately what's hanging over it. It just still feels like it's in labor trouble. So I think that I think it's interesting because when we were growing up, everybody kind of hated the Yankees and how much they spent. I don't know if this is a change in attitude or just or just being older. But now I think a lot more people feel like the villains of this situation are the teams that aren't spending. Yeah. Because there's an increasing sense that either they can or don't buy a team if you can't support it. And like in baseball in general, just having such a cutting spending issue. It's funny because for our whole childhoods, people were talking about does baseball need a salary cap? But I think that I think it needs a salary floor way more than a salary cap. I agree. And if you if if teams can can't pay, I mean, every team in baseball should be able to field a a roster, twenty six right. man roster that's making you know seventy eighty million dollars total. Like that's not a lot of money these days. It, things have changed. The Padres are now spending one hundred and fifty million dollars fairly easily, and it's not you know when we were growing up, like we have to change the way we look at the numbers. The, the salaries were you know. 70 million, 80 million, a hundred million used to be a lot. Now it's, it's, it's totally different. And I, I don't know what they can do other than, yeah, a a salary floor is something that I would like to see. I think the players would love to see that too, but owner ownership and, and players unions have historically bad relationships. It doesn't matter what sport it is. 
and the MLB union is, has already come out and said that it doesn't look like there's going to be uh, a DH even next year. Uh, and the owners are, are holding that as some like bargaining chip that they think is going to get the players to cave on a whole bunch of other issues like uh, expanded playoffs. Like apparently those are both off the table already for next year. This is a toxic relationship. And the DH thing is just like, that's just a perfect example. It is true. It gets bad in all sports. About 10 years ago, it was really bad in basketball. It's better now. Right now, baseball is going through a period where it's the worst of the bunch as far as labor relations. And that's a perfect example. Because I feel like the DH thing, I actually was suspicious of it at first. Because I I think that it takes away a lot of managerial strategy. But by the end, I was like, actually, this is great. That's where I was, yeah. That's how everybody felt by the end. They're like, oh, everybody agrees on this. We're not going to do it. <laughs> and so that's what's so frustrating. And I think that, uh, yeah, I think that it is tough because these are things where it doesn't matter what kind of everybody can think is the right thing to do. The simple fact is, like, why oh, you have to get a lot of owners vote against their best interest to do these things. And uh, it's it's not looking great. I mean, it, there's so many issues regarding spending. I mean, I think. The owners in general just want to kind of remake the league to make it that they almost can't lose money, which was never promised to them. And I mean, I, I'm I'm glad this season is happening, but I'm very worried about what the future brings. I think that it can be nice. It can be very nice as a Dodger fan, whereas like usually going back to what we were talking about before with the difference of how spending is seen. Now, when we do something like the Bauer signing, usually you get like a stream of like fuck. Like, fuck this, the rich got richer. But right now, it's a lot like, thank God somebody is boosting the market. Because free agency has, has been such yeah. a shit show. So it's been kind of nice as the team that spends to get, like, credit for spending. That's pretty unusual throughout history. But yeah, it's uh, it's not a good... It, the labor part is in trouble, for sure. It's a weird season. And it, one yeah. of the reasons why... It, I mean, it's been good for the Padres, because they've been able to capitalize on some of this market you know, availability for players and then, you know, not just players, but some teams are, are selling off and, and falling. And that just by, just by falling without even interacting with the Potters, the Potters get to move up rankings and lists and, you know, projections for the playoffs and everything without having to do anything because they're actually just fielding a, a decent team. Um, do you like them at 90? I think the, the win total for them is 94 and a half. Now it might've gone up one win since uh, a couple weeks ago. Would you, would you bet on that over 94 and a half? My my instinct is to bet over. I'm pretty high on you guys, uh, but it's always hard because you don't think about injuries ahead of time. It's uh, impossible. I it's player so, player so, props. I so. I'm never doing player props again because I got burned on Mark Trumbo. I think it was 2013. It's like the over was 29 home runs for him, and he <laughs> always hit over 30. Just always, and then he breaks his leg like halfway into the season. That's something you can never account for. Right. Yeah. It's a. Uh, it's baseball over under is so tough. It's so based on how pitchers stay healthy. Uh, I'm very whether or not would yeah, I probably it would take the over, but I think it's a well set because if it was a little lower, I'd hammer the over. Uh, but whether as long as you guys go into the playoffs healthy, I think that you could possibly be honestly we could be the two best teams in the league pretty clearly. There could yeah, there could be motivational issues at the end of the season too. Let's say the yep. Dodgers are in first place eight games up on the Padres, just, you know, 20 games left. We're not going to catch you. But then the Rockies who are in third place are 20 games behind the Padres. Like, what are we doing? Yeah. You know, like first place also doesn't mean as much as it used to. So 
Yeah. Well, I mean, you avoid that wild card bullshit one playoff game. That's what they're doing this year again, aren't they? Are they do? Are they back to that? I don't know. Maybe now I don't even know. Like that's the other thing is that I think that they've done a terrible job just telling people what the deal is. I think most people just think that the yeah last year's rules are repeating. It's not true. No, it's not. So and technically, yeah. I don't think they've even, they haven't even technically closed the door on the DH this year. It's just speculation. Oh, they're probably not going to do it. That's all we've heard. Which is but nuts. They haven't really said no yet. Big difference in how you form your team. Like you can you can <laughs> have two bad defensive outfielders if you have a DH spot, and that's like a big part of like your offseason plans. Like. <laughs> How is Rob Manfred still have a job? I don't know. At this point, <laughs> he's been so he's been so terrible, and I don't know how any of the owners. It's not like the NFL owners who were you know protective of Roger Goodell during the Ray Rice scandal, and he was the worst PR man on the planet. But we knew he was going to keep <laughs> his job because he kept making the owners money. I don't know what Fred or uh, Fred Rob Manfred. Who's Fred Manfred? Uh, I don't know what Rob Manfred <laughs> is doing that makes any owners happy. I don't know, but I always do assume when we think an owners, when a, we think a commissioner is doing a terrible job, but they have there are no, they're not on the hot seat. That I assume that they're essentially taking bullets for the owners, and that's why the owners like them. And I think some of that is true right here, where Manfred will come out and say something like, "Before I remember, before last season, he was essentially like the owners are doing everything they can to start the season, and the players are getting in the way." <laughs> like he was just like. Just blatant like propaganda about like what was going on. So I think those are awesome. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I would think if you're the owners, it's also pop. It's also good to have a valuable. It's also good to have a well liked commissioner, so you can like get the word out in ways that aren't immediately like nobody trusts what you say. Whereas like if Manfred yeah. tried to like give us a state of the union right now, I people would only listen to like hate watch it. Yeah, I don't even think I would just I wouldn't even bother listening to it, even back plays or little. little Whereas it's like Adam Silver did that right now. People would be like, okay, he's mostly been honest to us. Like it's just it seems to me like it would be valuable to have a not hated commissioner. But what do I know? I'm not a billionaire. Isn't Adam Silver stock down a little bit? He he, he has an all time high last year, but now he's kind of dipped. Yeah, I mean, I think that there (laughs) people gave the basketball and people gave basketball in general so much credit for being more careful about COVID. It in the and it ended up that uh it's just the bubble. Bubbles are great because without a bubble they prove to be as reckless as anybody. So he's taking a little more heat for sure. They got off to a bad start. Um but I think it's gonna be it, the all star game is weird. I'm I have no clue why you really need an all star game right now. It's dumb. It's just what are we doing? It's dumb. We don't it's no, like no the cares. way people virus spreads, getting somebody from every team together and then sending them back. <laughs> team seems like possibly the dumbest thing you could do even though possibly even though it's probably gonna be fine if covid wanted to spread covid would come up with a plan with like like something like that we're like okay let's get someone from every team into one tight room together spend a couple hours sweating on okay then go back to your team let's see if we they have to go back to their group (laughs) let's see if we can kick start this uh covid thing again yeah exactly so yeah um a little more a few more bullets but he'll never be as bad as manfred like (laughs) he's just bad to the Manfred. So, last thing before I'll let you you go. Um, what did you think of Tati signing that massive extension before the Potters really needed to offer him? Because we've seen this a couple times. Me and Wade talked about it on the show a lot. You know, comparing him to the the, tr- the first Trout deal, the second Trout deal, um, the recent deals with Betts and Harper who are entering free agency, uh, and I guess um, Machado entering free agency in their primes. 
and then Acuna and Ozzy Albies. Those are, that's really the only precedence that we have is the, the first trout deal, Acuna and Albies. And this is the biggest deal we've ever seen. Did you like them signing him or locking him up that early with that, you know, only maybe 150 total games under his belt or whatever it is? I mean, yeah, I, I, I love it based on just kind of like other reasons. Like I think it's with all the things we were just talking about to do something like that is such a good message to send to your fans. And then also like, I just think it, I think those deals often work on both ends. Cause most likely if Tatis were to stay healthy, he's giving away money cause he would be able to command so much in free agency, but people underrate like, okay, so if he was healthy, he could make 600 million, but like ensuring you're going to be a 400 millionaire is insane. I would do it too. Yeah. Instead of taking the risk, and yeah, maybe I could be a six hundred millionaire instead, but maybe I actually could only make twenty million if I have a cr- critical injury. I would do it too. So I, I kind of love these deals on both sides. Again, here's an analogy that kind of makes sense and doesn't really make a lot of sense. Um, I, I compare it to your. You have to. I'm telling you, there's a, a a game tonight that you have to bet on. The game is Tatis, but you know, just just for this example, it's it's a game that you have to bet on tonight. The Padres have to gamble on this either way. Either paying him, they're gambling, which they did, or by not paying him, they're gambling. They're in this already. So you can either bet pregame on what you think the outcome is going to be and maybe not make as much money as you you could later. But, you know, if you wait till halftime to bet on the game, your odds could be much worse. You may end up losing a lot more money than you could have originally had. 100%. Yeah. So I I love these deals because I think that it makes sense for both sides. For billionaires, it makes sense that you're probably going to, if it works out as well as it should, you're going to probably save 100 to 200 million. And for the people who didn't have money before this, you're, you're, you're just, it's so much more valuable to get that initial crazy amount of money. So I love the deal for both sides. I think that, I think uh, it, uh, it's good to, I mean, I'm gotten jealous of it because we have quite a few young guys who are heading more the other direction of wanting to reach free agency seeker most most uh pressingly so i'm, I'm a little jealous that you guys are able to lock them up it's good I think it's, it's just as risky to not sign them as it is to sign them I, I, I don't think people are were aware of that because you could lose 100 200 million dollars by how much more valuable he is when you do end up giving him the big contract or you could yeah. end up losing him and that's just like if you lose a superstar like that there's a real issue fans have where they're like, why am I investing? If like, we'd never recover. If, if, if he walked in three years, we'd never recover. That'd be it. Yeah. It's a, and I totally understand that. I've been lucky as an, as a, as living in LA that like most of my teams are big market teams. So I think that's an issue the NBA is really having, which is that you hope to get a player as good as like, Giannis is a bad example. Cause he just signed an extension, but any of the guys who've left recently, Anthony Davis, if you're in New Orleans and then, but the truth is if they're too good, they're going to leave. And that like puts you in a really shitty emotional space as a fan. So I think that this is just a goodwill kind of move on both every side. I wish I it's had- got to be the norm. I think it has to be the norm going forward with young players. Like, Definitely. so Wander Franco, I would, I would offer Wander Franco a hundred million dollar deal right now. He hasn't played a, an inning in major league baseball. He's, he's the top prospect though. I think if you believe in your own guy, and it, it depends each team, each situation, but those guys are so valuable and so hard to get. They don't come around very often. I think I think those are the kind of deals that can make or break you. And if you if you lose the deal, like if he doesn't turn out that well, it's I don't think it's as big a deal as potentially getting him, having him be a star, and then losing him. Hundred percent agree, especially with with your with your audience with fans 
the latter is so much yeah. more painful than if you end up overpaying him while he's injury prone or whatever. You can you can recover from a bad contract, yeah, like a, like a, like a Chris Davis contract, but you can't recover from letting a guy walk. Nope. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think it's I think it's just good for baseball. It's also good for the NL West because I think that there were some years there where it felt like we were the only team really going for it. Diamondbacks yeah. would flirt with it, but flirt with it poorly. The Rockies kind of do this thing where they get interesting and then like <laughs> tear it down right when they get right when it goes even. Oh yeah, they're super flawed. <laughs> yeah. The Rockies are all types of interesting right now. I'm sure you've talked about them, but they're, they're so poorly run. They're, they have like, there's some fun layouts of like their free agency record in recent years. It's like, they've literally been burning money every year. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think it's good for the NL West because now this ensures that the Dodgers have another team that's like kind of like at their heels, which is just good, a good narrative. It's good to keep people engaged during the regular season not like you as opposed to if we stay good we don't go up 20 games and then nothing matters but the playoffs that's yeah that, that can't be fun for you guys and it's not fun for anyone else in the division either yeah, but bad for the just bad for bad yeah. for baseball bad for the product yeah, exactly. yeah bad, just bad yeah um, so i think it's just good for everybody I, I love having you guys kind of going for it especially as the giants are rebuilding because i just think it's so good for the entertainment of the regular season Baseball capital of the world. So and, it, and it helps push us because, I mean, I, I, there's no telling about the power contract, but it's interesting that as you guys got better, it was the first year we exceeded the luxury tax in a while. So I think it helps push us out of just not being kind of complacent. I did say that was the last thing we're going to talk about, but I have one more question. Gavin Lux, what the hell? Are you, are you doing this or not? Oh, I have no idea. I mean, I've heard rumors that he has like he's had some like mental hiccups like had the yips but i don't know if those are true they're not like from verified sources i i, I don't know he's, <laughs> i'm glad we're not in a position where we're not 100 percent counting on him uh it just feels like it go either way i feel like i could two years from now he could be a bust two years from now he could be as good as Corey seager and or better and i have no idea which way it's gonna go i just haven't like seen with my own eyes enough I just wish he was on a team. I feel like you're giving him the Rockies treatment where like the, the top prospect comes up and he just doesn't have anywhere to play and you, you won't make room for him. You'd rather play Chris Taylor instead. We Well, it's tough to, you know, they'll never tell you their true feelings, but it really yeah. seems we wanted him to make the team last year and he performed awful in that like simulated spring training and awful when he came up. I think he hit like 100. Yeah, so it's like a little bit of like, and by the way, I would not blame anybody for like getting out of rhythm when they literally minor league baseball didn't exist last year. It was a weird year for everybody. I think it's been tougher on athletes than they we probably want to think about because they're not the most like nobody cares compared to what some people are going through. But it's an understanding time to to not be your best. But I think I hope he's our second baseman soon for sure, especially with losing Kike. I've got some uh, some luck stock in my dynasty league, so I'm, that's why I'm asking. But yeah, I mean, I want them to be good, but not maybe not too good. We're so there, you know, teams aren't that forthcoming about how they really feel about their guys. So it, I, I would imagine the plan is 100% for him to matter this year, but we'll see. All right. It, it feels like it should have happened by now. So got to keep reading the tea leaves. Yeah, exactly. Dustin, thank you for making some time kind of in the middle of the afternoon here. Did you get to watch any baseball today? None today. No, not um, yet. Probably. Well, <laughs> you you missed being on the podcast. I can tell. It's been a while. Yeah, it's always fun to we go in like fourteen different directions that weren't the plan. <laughs> it always goes we, too long. We, we did Marvel alliteration somehow. 
yeah, it, it, we don't even take that long to get off the off the track, which is always part. <laughs> I thought of we fun. stayed on on topic pretty good today. Compared, compared we to did. Other, you other you were you kept me on the tracks. I have no, <laughs> I have no ability to keep us on the tracks. Remember all those. <laughs> we'll talk again soon. Hopefully, I can uh, we can hang out in person again soon too. Yeah, that'd be great. And all right, thank you, Dustin. Fun conversation. Haven't haven't caught up with him in a long time, so it's good to have him on. Before we get out of here, new sponsor, eBay. You guys have been here about it for a while. We want to give them a shout out and let you know that whether rare dead stock or the latest release, find the exact shoe you're looking for. As the original sneaker marketplace, eBay is the place to go to cop the pair you've been eyeing. With eBay's authenticity guarantee, your sneakers are meticulously inspected by independent professional authenticators. A team of experienced sneaker authenticators verify the box, logo, stitching, and dozens of other inspection points. Each sneaker also receives an authenticity guarantee tag that includes a digital stamp of authenticity. And, as I stumble over this, it also protects sellers with a verified return process. For sneaker sellers out there, eBay has eliminated selling fees on sneakers $100 or more, making it free to sell or flip your collection. Go to ebay.com sneakers today eBay, the world's destination for discovering great value and unique selection. All right. That's eBay. Tried to get Austin on this week. My friend Austin, who's been into the baseball card trading bonanza that's kind of swept the name. I didn't know this was a thing. I mean, I heard about it, didn't take it seriously. And then my friend Austin said he's in on it and all his work friends are in on it. Had no idea. So I wanted to get him on this week. He couldn't make it. So hopefully we can get Austin on to talk about some trading card stuff. some I know he just picked up a Tatis card. I'm not sure what make or model number or you know edition it is. I, I have, I'm very foreign to that whole thing. But hopefully we can get him on and talk about it and some of the, the deals he's been getting with trading cards and then especially Tatis cards. So look forward to that maybe next week. That is going to do it for us today. Thank you for listening. Please follow the show's Twitter account at Friar Farmhands. If you enjoy the show, subscribe. We're on all your favorite platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, and iHeart. You can also find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcasts on Twitter. Please leave your comments, questions, concerns, and your rating of the show on all platforms. You've been listening to the Believe in Padres Prospects podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, San Diego's number one sports podcast network. I am Ryan Hart. Wade will be back next week. We'll talk to you then. You didn't record the whole thing? Yeah, the whole thing. Oh, brutal. I always hear, like, I remember... Chris Long and, and Ryan Russillo had a podcast where they said that they were doing it for the second time and they just sounded so angry the whole time. <laughs> I was pretty angry. It, that happens to Simmons too. You ever, you listen to Simmons still like he'll, he'll say like he forgets the microphone often yeah, and he'll I, like, Hey, whatever they're doing, they have it recorded by the producer or something. So what usually happens with them is that, yeah, he, he they have to use the Skype Skype uh, audio. It's really, it's always terrible. He still forgets it all the time, which is which <laughs> kind of like aspirational because it lets you know that like even the people who've gotten there are still idiots. Yeah, it makes me feel really good about myself. Yeah, exactly. It, it's kind of helpful. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.